show that is all baseball. They're better than they were a year ago. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz. Brought to you by Jackson Lumber and Millwork. Bigelow Tea, Gravely Zero Turn Lawnmowers. The 99 Restaurants, Sing Sang Cocktail in the Can. Win Waste Innovations and Woodbridge Wines. On Boston's Home for Sports, 98.5, the Sports Hub. Not running here. Oh, that ricochets off Chris Sale that nails him. It's off into right field. And here comes the run in, and Chris Sale is walking off the diamond. He says he's done. Oh, no. Oh, my. Damn. Right down the tunnel. Yankees lead it three to nothing. That's just heartbreaking right there. All that hard work to get back and just. He knew right away, so that's not a good sign. The ball was still rolling out of the outfield grass when he was leaving the diamond and holding his hand up to Alex Cora and Dave Bush. Well, we got to be better, bottom line. You know, it doesn't matter if it's the Yankees or whoever, you know, we, we have to play better baseball. You know, the day started, you know, we grumbled third, we throw the ball away. Well, it seems like we didn't do enough this week. As far as the baseball part of it, right? Uh, we run the bases. Uh, we struggle running bases defensively on the mound. You know, um, I mean, it was a tough week for us. And uh, you know, like Dan said earlier, before the the game, it's a good time for to reset. You know, um, enjoy the the All Star break and be ready for Friday. So here's my question, Red Sox fans, as we kick off the baseball hour here tonight. Six one seven 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 nine zero ninety eight five. We'll open up the phone lines right away. Now what? Now what? So l- let me tell you what my concerns are. Every so often, okay, I've, been, I've been watching this team for a long, long time, following it intensely for a long, long time. So for most of the time, I'm not really as outraged as I sound. I'm Italian, so the emotion comes out. What do you want me to tell you? It's a genetic thing. But there are those occasions where I get so agitated with the overall plight of the Red Sox that, frankly, I, I, I really don't know what to do. So let me ask you this. It's plain and simple. Now what? Because I don't think the Red Sox are good enough to add at the deadline and make a run at a championship. And now in Boston, that's what the stakes are. They're winning championships. That's the goal, winning championships. Not contending for them, not just hanging around and making the playoffs, winning championships. We've had so much winning here over the last 20 years that we've gotten to the point where we're incredibly spoiled. And that's a good thing in some ways because it makes us strive for greatness. That I like. But I don't think this team this year is good enough to win a championship, at least in its current form. And when I say that, I'm adding in injuries, which continue to just pile up. So that's one thing. And yet, at the same time, I'd be lying if I told you I felt confident and their ability to trade pieces at the deadline and get the right players back to make a run at a championship or build some sort of dynasty down the road. I don't feel great about that either. So we'll cover the the whole gamut here over the course of the next hour and probably over the next several days because the Red Sox aren't going to play again until the end of the week, and the damage that was done here in the last two weeks of the first half was significant, both in terms of injury and in the standings. Now, all of that said, let me tell you that I am not selling at the deadline. I think that would be a corporate suicide for the Red Sox. 
I think they would really piss off the fan base because if you're going to sell at the deadline, you might as well sell. And that means everybody. That means all your prospective free agents, J.D. Martinez, Nathan Avaldi, Xander Bogarts, and there's no way in hell the Red Sox are going to do that. I don't think. I'd be surprised if they trade any of them. I certainly would be shocked if they traded Bogarts at this stage. I don't think Raphael Devers is going anywhere uh, during this trading deadline or during the offseason. Too important a player. So I don't think they're going to do it, but you could argue it. You could argue they should trade away pieces at this deadline and that they should just start all over. And if you do say that, well, let me tell you that the minor league system might not be quite as good as you think it is. So I want to touch on that as well. But the loss yesterday, the losses to the Yankees over the weekend, I can't even tell you what the aggregate score was in those two games what was it, 27-3 or something like that? Jim Murray, if you're running the Red Sox right now, what do you do? I'm selling. because So either buy for real, like be buyers and don't do these piddly PR moves where you're bringing in you know junk relievers that you cross your fingers and you, and you hope that work out, more dumpster diving. So either buy for real, and if you can't do that, then sell. Because you know, if you're a Red Sox fan, I wouldn't be interested in like fake PR games that'll just keep you like a middling team that will be in contention, which it seems like they're more about than anything else. And they're certainly not about winning championships. They just want to contend. So at least if they sell, Maz, this is the thing. At least they're committing to a principle. It feels like if they're going to do this, don't have any half measures. It feels like if you're going to let Hein Bloom kind of turn this thing into the Rays, which feels like they've been trying, trying to do here for the last couple of years, then if you sell, at least you're committed to a real principle. Okay, so Murray, then if you're selling, you're talking about moving just about everyone. Yeah. Okay, everyone. Because, look, I don't think that they're going to extend Bogarts. I don't. I certainly don't think they're going to extend Devers after this Soto uh, news over the okay, weekend. Okay, let, let's leave Devers out. Let's stick to prospective free agents, which are guys that are up at the end of the year. All right, so J.D. Martinez, the top of that list, yes. Nathan Avaldi. Yep. yep. Xander Bogarts. Yep. Christian Vasquez. Yep. Okay, you're trading them all. Yep. Jimmy Stewart, what about you? Sell. Sell them all off. I'm not selling. I'm not selling. And I'll tell you why. First of all, you're in it. You're only Ish. Okay, you're only a couple of games out, Jimmy. I'm not telling you the championship caliber. But they're in the playoff hunt. They are in the playoff hunt. That is not ish. They're in it. They're only a couple of games out of that final playoff spot. Whether it's an additional playoff spot or not is irrelevant. The fact is that they can get into the playoffs. Secondly... Oh, boy, what would that say to your roster? Boy, what what would that say to your fan base? We're two games out, and we're going to trade away our players. Two games out, we're going to trade away our players. We're going to flush it down the toilet. That would be one hell of a message to send to your clubhouse, to your fan base, to the media that covers your team. You think interest in the Red Sox is low now? What if they do that? So you know what they're going to do? Let me tell you what they're going to do. They're going to middle it. They're going to do what they did last year. They're going to straddle the line, pick up Hansel Robles and Austin Davis part two. Maybe a first baseman that doesn't cost them a lot. Someone who can actually catch the ball. And they're going to try to hang around and see what happens. So another big lie, which is what these fake PR deals are. Yep. Yep. But Tony, the Red Sox fans out there are smarter than this big lie theory. If you were to tell me that the Red Sox were 26 and 12 against the AL East, and they were at least 500, say they were 6-5, and five, 
against the AL East in series, then yes, I would say buy and add to this team. But they're 0 10 and 1 in series against the AL East, and they're 12 and 26 against the AL East. So they may be two games out of a playoff spot, but nobody believes that they're going to win more than maybe the wild card play in game series. Okay, so Jimmy, again, I don't disagree with any of that assessment. But the fact is that you're in it. You're in it. And. They're so the, the, my one biggest complaint with the Red Sox, and then we'll get to your calls. This season, the long term has outweighed the short at every single turn. Every single turn, they have never once made the short term a priority. Never once, despite the fact that JD Martinez is up at the end of the year, Xander Bogarts is up, Nathan Avaldi's up, Christian Vasquez is up. They never treated this like a final roundup. Not even close. In fact, they did the opposite. Which, which we'll get to as well, because Garrett Whitlock's in the middle of that as well, which we'll touch on. 617-779-0985. Our buddy Anthony is on the Cape. Anthony, go. Tony, what I understand about all the criticism about Bloom is, as far as to my knowledge, the Red Sox are up against the luxury tax. So if you want to put criticism... So Anthony, they're, over the, the, they're over the luxury tax. They're right. over it. So, 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 right. So, so if he doesn't have permission to spend more, why are we blaming him? He's done a good job. He inherited all this money. Now, here's the thing. Let me just get to my core, Jake, because when I suggested this last week with Carabas, he said, oh, what? It was, like, shocking. That okay, forget about suggest- Jared Carabas. Just get to the take. Right. Well, the take is Alice Cora should be gone. This team's underachieved. They're sloppy and disgusting in every area. And one example I'll give you is Raphael Devers. He's by far the best hitter on the team, yet he comes up to the plate with nobody on base at all. That's Alex Cora's fault. Move him down to three in the order to get him up with some people on base for crying out loud. Okay, so, Anthony, you're going to fire the manager because you don't like the batting order. That's the reason to fire the manager because you don't like the batting order? And, look, you want to fire the manager? Go ahead. And not just you, Anthony, anyone else. Fire the manager. What the hell do I care? Have a blast. You think that fixes the team? Because I don't. And I'm not telling you, Cora's blameless. The team's played really bad baseball for three weeks now. Really bad. Horrible, in fact. Even the games they've won, they've had a horseshoe up their ass. The game in Chicago, the pitcher threw the ball down the right field line. The game against Tampa, there were two errors that produced runs. The wins against the Yankees, they couldn't catch a pop-up. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the Red Sox are playing well. They look like they're, there's attention to detail or what have you. What I do know is Cora signed for two more years before this one, and I don't think they're going to fire his ass and eat the money. Because you know what? You'll be bitching about the bad order and the next guy too. Not that that really matters. Sometimes you need to fire the manager. I get it. I don't think this is one of those occasions. But for those of you that believe it, fire away. Have a blast. I just look at the Red Sox and the decision-making this year, and I question what their agenda was. That's what I question. What was the goal this year? And Exhibit A on the list is Garrett Whitlock. Of all the things that have happened with this team this year, the way they have handled Garrett Whitlock should piss you off more than anything else. That, to me, has been at the center of all of it in one way or another. 
we'll get to that next when we come back on the Baseball Hour. The Baseball Hour with Tony Maz continues after these on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text QUEENS to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text QUEENS to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. Now more baseball and more mess. Okay! This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Whitlock trying to keep that one going right here. And inning number two for him now, eighth inning. It's Judge, Rizzo, and Stanton. This part of the order he's facing is hit 77 home runs. That's incredible. One, two. Struck him out. With a dandy of a changeup. And a big first out the bottom of the eighth. Bounding ball. Scooped up by Dahlbeck. And makes the play. Two up, two down. Here's the 0-2. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Mr. Whitlock is back. And the Red Sox are overjoyed. He faces six batters. And he gets them all out. Amazing. So as many of you know, I have a Garrett Whitlock fixation. I love the kid as a pitcher. I love him as a reliever in particular. And I use this purely as evidence of how the Red Sox have approached this season. Garrett Whitlock last year out of the bullpen was a force. He was a force. In fact, I was looking it up this morning, fan graphs, and I'm going to give this to you in this form for the analytics geeks. And just so we're all on the same page, I'm not totally anti-analytics, despite the fact that I, I completely pick on it all the time. I'm really not. But let's just let's keep everyone happy. Based on war, Garrett Whitlock was the 16th best reliever in baseball. Doesn't sound like much, right? Well, there were 30 teams. That means basically you find one guy like him every two rosters. Okay, ish. One of the 16 best relievers in baseball. And this year came out of the gate and was pitching even better. So the Red Sox decided to put him into the rotation. And they did so at a time where their bullpen was weaker than ever. Last year, the Red Sox had three pitchers in the top 100 in war. Relievers. Okay, three. Whitlock was at the top. Matt Barnes was next because he had an awesome first half. But he faded badly in the second half. Uh, Came out this year, was no better. In fact, was worse and has disappeared. And Adam Ottavino was let go. So they lost, basically, their three best relievers from the bullpen a year ago. Barnes and Ottavino were really gone at the beginning of the year. Barnes was never right. He was never a factor. All they had was Whitlock. They had one guy, and they put him in the rotation. I still don't know why, at least publicly, I would like someone to explain 
why they took their only reliever and put him in the rotation, where they then got him a hurt. He then missed time. Friday night's game, Garrett Whitlock, who had not rehabbed in a rehab game, who had had a hip injury and missed, what, two months, month and a half, whatever it was, they dropped him into the middle of a one-run game at Yankee Stadium. He gave him two scoreless innings, struck out three. The inning you just heard in the eighth in a one-run game was Judge Rizzo Stanton, strikeout, groundout, strikeout. Then he pitched on Sunday in a blowout, an inning scoreless, two strikeouts. The guy didn't miss a beat. Meanwhile, while he was out of the bullpen, you kept blowing games left and right. Now you're two games out. So you tell me, if Garrett Woodlock had remained in the bullpen, would he have stayed healthy? Could he have saved five games? And what was the logic for putting him in the rotation? Was it more long-term than short? Because you had signed him to a contract, and now that what? There was more benefit, more bang for the buck to have him as a starter? Because then... Oh, you could just show everybody in baseball that you had a guy in your rotation making four and a half million dollars a year on average for the next five years or whatever the number was. Is that what the impetus was? Why did you steal from this team to pay the future when this team needed the help? And they did the same thing in right field with Hunter Renfro, whom I didn't particularly care for as a player, thought he was overrated, but he had a good year. If they were going to move him, fine. What did they get for him? Jackie Bradley, their 30th in baseball. In OP, I, I take that back. Thir- uh, 15th in the American League in OPS at right field. Last year with Renfro, they were fourth. So they dropped all the way to the bottom of the production in right field. They lost Kyle Schwarber and dropped all the way to the bottom in production at first base. And they had one of the best relievers in baseball, and they put him in the rotation when they had no one else out there. Why? Can someone explain to me why? Jackie Bradley was traded for two minor leaguers. Focus on the long term. Garrett Whitlock was moved into the rotation when he didn't have a bullpen. Emphasis on the long term. And first base, I presume you didn't sign a first baseman because Tristan Cassis was coming down the pike. Emphasis on the long term. None of those things went your way. Those are three huge mistakes. Huge that in addition to the injuries have affected this team badly. Nick is in Westport. Nick, go ahead. Yeah, Maz, you you called it too. The reason why the Sox did that, I think, is because, like you said, they wanted to try to get high value at a cheap price. They wanted to try to get a good starter at what was it, four million a year or something, which is just ridiculous. Leave him in the pen, like we said, because as you can see, clear as day, he's lights out in the bullpen. So just. Stop screwing with that. But what I really wanted to talk to you about or get your your feedback on is if the Sox do not sign Devers and Bogarts, if they do not keep them and if they actually try to sell at this deadline when they're actually approaching a playoff spot, I'm not saying I'm going to stop watching, but I am going to say I'm, it, it's, it's going to be a tune-out factor because the last time the Sox did something like this was bets, and it kind of happened, and the time before that was Lester, and the same effect happened, and they're approaching that again. So they need to find a way to keep those guys or a tune-out factor is going to come in here. Okay, so Nick, I think a lot of people feel like you do. I think a lot of people get agitated if while they're in it. And again, no one's saying we like the way they play or think that they can win a championship, but they're in it. You're going to trade off pieces now? That would be a hell of a message. Oh, there's a good message to your fan base. 
Keep buying the tickets. Keep watching the games, but we're going to sell off the pieces. Let alone the players. Xander Bogarts, keep busting your ass out there playing hurt. We're not going for it, by the way. Did we tell you that? In the final year of your contract? That's another good one, too. Wait till these guys get into the second half, and if they're out of it, the selfish salary-driving contract drive that you're going to see. Martin's in Texas. Go ahead, Martin. Hey, so I want to just let you know that I don't think that Nick Pavetta can pitch in the AL East at all. He's only beaten up on the bad teams we played after uh, we won that Houston series early in the season. And when it comes to Evaldi, I think he's one of the most underappreciated and under, underrated pitchers we've had since the 2013 team. And dare I say, he would be the biggest loss at the end of the season in terms of what he brings to the team. Yeah, so Martin, look, again, I like Evaldi too. I think they're going to let him go at the end of the year. Obviously, he had a health issue this year. He's been healthy the last couple of years. On Pavetta, I generally agree with you. I think that if you look at the breakdown this year, uh, and I'm trying to punch it up here as I speak with you, so just give me a moment. But against teams with winning records, teams that are above 500, Nick Pavetta this year is, uh, he is 3-1 and one with a 2.00 ERA. Against teams with a record greater than 500, he's 5-6, five and 533. And I would tell you that the teams they've played with winning records are where? In the division. So, yes, correct on Nick Pavetta. And uh, look, again, where my question really is, where's this all going? Like, if everything is geared about the longer term, fine. How do we feel about the longer term? What players have the Red Sox brought up from the minor leagues that have made your eyes pop out of your head? Frank's in Boston. Frank, go. Yeah, Frank stands for Jimmy, Jimmy, go bigger, go home. First of all, I am perplexed and a little bit annoyed by the straw man that because Atlanta won last year, this team has a chance with only minor PR additions. Atlanta did four massive deadline deals. Jock Peterson, George Soler, Eddie Rosario, and Adam Duvall. Rosario turned out to be the MVP of the NLCS. Soler turned out to be the MVP of the World Series. Those deadline deals were massive. They were not fake PR deals, and therefore they are not an analogy for the Red, this Red Sox team. Okay, so Fra- all, Frank, de- yeah, I'm going to yeah. stop you there just because I get a lot of people on the line. So what you're saying is the Braves made real deals, and are the Red Sox willing to make real deals at this deadline? Doesn't feel it. I don't feel like Hyam Bloom has really wanted to make a real deal to give up anything since he's been with the Red Sox. And again, I know I, I say Hyam Bloom, it's really ownership and, and upper management. Let's lump them all together because it, it sometimes sounds like I'm picking on Hyam Bloom and I'm not picking on Hyam Bloom. In my dealings with him, he's a nice guy. Okay, I like Hyam Bloom. But I do question the philosophy that the Red Sox are trying to adhere to at the moment. So they don't want big contracts. And one of the things that really alarms me is when you look at some of the moves that Bloom has made, what have they gotten back? So they traded Mookie Betts. You all hated it. I knew it was coming because it didn't feel to me like Betts wanted to be here. They got Alex Verdugo, Connor Wong, and Jeter Downs. Any real above-average players there? Because I don't think there are. I think they get fleeced on that deal. Then they traded Ben Attendee. They got Franchi Cordero, who has struck out 15 times in his last 16 at-bats, and Josh Winkowski, who looks okay. But is there any franchise-altering talent in there? Is there any sort of jackpot that they've hit? So this is another thing I wonder about with some of these trades. Look at the minor leaguers that are being brought in. 
Uh, Jaron Duran, is he special? And Tristan Cassis has gotten a lot of hype. He was drafted under Dombrowski, but he was a first-round pick. Got a lot of power. Great. How long is it going to be before he is ready to become a centerpiece in a big league lineup? Don't say next year because that's asking a lot. For a rookie, you're going to plug him in in a market like this against the Yankees and against Toronto and against Tampa, and he's going to be a number three hitter in a lineup and replace who? Bogarts or Martinez, who are free agents at the end of the year? Don't hold your breath. That's going to take a little while. So if you lose Martinez and Bogarts, but you add Cassis as a rookie, is that a gain or a loss? I say a loss. And then Marcelo Mayer. I love this one, too. This is the one I went off on last week. He won't be here for a couple of years. So how do you fill that one? Like, do we know all these guys can play? Do we know? So you should be worried about what they're building down there as well. I don't see any elite, elite talents, and I shouldn't say that, because Katz projects to be an elite talent. But he's not there yet. Mayor? Maybe. But again, two years down the road, what are you going to do in the interim? We're just not going to play baseball for a couple of years and wait for everyone to show up? Jim Murray's got your headlines. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks, and many of those have gone on to become country gold. We've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an Oscar. Text OSCAR to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text OSCAR to 45911, and we'll send the link straight to your phone. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz on 98.5, the Sports Hub. Very frustrating. Elbow surgery for a pitcher is not uncommon, right? It happens. With this job, with what we do, you deal with that. Some of the other stuff was sometimes you think, why me, right? Two things I know for a fact right now. I have a lot of love in my corner, a lot of people that care about me and want me to succeed. And somebody somewhere is having a worse day than I am right now, and that's a fact. And the competitive side of me doesn't really want to accept that, but the person in me knows that. And if, if I want to sit here and cry about a broken finger and, you know, boo-hoo, poor me, I could do it. It's just not fair to everyone in here, and it's not fair to people in the world, honestly. There's... Like I said, there's a lot more people out there that worse off than I am right now. I got to deal with what what comes and and put one foot in front of the other and get back to pitching. Chris Sale with a very reasonable, calm perspective on his injury, and it was a fluky thing. Line drive back to the mound. Sale tried to protect his face, got his hand up there, broke his finger. Murray read you the press release. He had surgery today. An open reduction, which means they to reset the bone, they had to open him up. Surgery. That's what an open reduction is. So they reset it by cutting him and then uh, inserted a pin in there, uh, closed him back up. They listed no time frame on the return. Okay, so what that means for his return, I have no idea. Could he pitch again this year? Sure. Will he? Maybe. Yeah, quite possible. But he's going to miss more time, and the team's in a predicament as is. Here's the part of the story that has been lost to me. It's not like he was pitching well. You know, the Tampa game was pretty good. The last inning was great. 
but he wasn't dominant in that game until the last inning. Then he came out against the Yankees, and we said we all said, let's see what happens. Do you know Chris Sale hasn't beaten the Yankees since 2018? 2018. In his last five starts against the Yankees, Chris Sale's 0-5. His ERA is 10.2, uh, 10.45, and in 20 and two-thirds innings, he's allowed 30 base runners, 24 earned runs, and six homers. The Red Sox have been outscored 43-11. to 11. So that's all a very nice way of me saying, or a very long way of me saying, can he beat anyone good when he comes back? I was buying into the post-Tommy John Chris Sale. He didn't look at yesterday. Again, it was only two-thirds of an inning. But what, all of a sudden, that was supposed to make us, you know, the, the fluke injury? Did it mask the fact that he wasn't pitching well? He gave up a double and hit a batter. And there you go, off to the races. After they got their faces kicked in the night before. So there's your moment. Right, you had a key moment where after getting your doors blown off, you're going out to the mound as the ace against the other guy's ace. And you know what Garrett Cole did in the second batter of the game? He threw at Rafi Devers' legs and got him to fall flat in his face. Garrett Cole took command of that right from the beginning because he's given up six homers to Devers in his career. So you know, right after him, get your ass off the plate. It's mine today. Sale, double, hit batter. There was an error in there, two runs, Raphael Devers. But he wasn't good. He wasn't good before he got hurt. I know it was a quick outing, but he wasn't good. Matt's in California. Matt, go. Hey, Tony. Uh, you know, this year, the Sox, they ha- absolutely have to be buyers. You know, they, they don't look pretty, but they're in it. And this year, they have the pieces to make the right deals like you're talking about. This is the last hurrah with this team that was two games but this core, really, that was two games away from the World Series. Send a message to this team. Go get the pieces right now. Set the market. You're, they're in town, in L.A. with everybody there. Go get the right pieces. Send so, a message. Okay. Yeah, so, Matt, what you're saying makes sense, except it would fly in the face of everything Hyam Bloom was brought in here to do. So now you have a fringe playoff team, and I don't disagree with you with the idea of adding. I'm not looking for a blockbuster. But you have a fringe playoff team and a guy who has been absolutely obsessing over minor league talent is going to trade away, guys, for a team that he probably doesn't think can win and he might be right. I'm he's, glad I'm he's gl- probably right. Yeah, I'm glad the caller brought up the fact that, uh, you know, their all-stars are in L.A. Like Xander Bogarts, who Chris Gasper spoke to a short time ago. You want to hear what he said? Oh, yeah, please go. No recent contract talks for Bogarts with the Sox. Quote, no, no. Uh, I asked if he would entertain talks at this season or prefer to deal with it at the end of the season. That's a tough question, he said. But, I mean, as I said at this point, we haven't had anything. Bogarts continued, so I wouldn't even put much thought into that. If we haven't had anything up to this point, then I'm not assuming anything will happen because it hasn't so far. Yeah. So, Jimmy, you would move Bogarts? Sell him. Yep. Sell them all. Get them all out of here. I would Rebuild, restart, reload. I wouldn't. Because, again, I, I think the Red Sox have to think about something else beyond just their, you know, they traded Mookie Betts. What did they get for him? Nothing. You ne- you never get you never get full value when you trade these guys. And I also think you would, uh, aside from the fact that you might destroy any chance of re-signing Bogarts, which to Murray's point, maybe they're already not going to re-sign him anyway. In which case, I would say then definitely move him. I also think in the case of someone like Bogarts, boy, does that send a bad message to your clubhouse, your organization. 
you know, to the rest of baseball, and I'm not one of these people who gets sentimental about it, but how exactly do the Red Sox plan to replace Xander Bogarts? Trevor Story? Yeah, with Trevor Story and some of these draft picks that they've made, these infield draft picks they've made in recent years. Okay, uh, who aren't going to get here for a couple of years. And Trevor Story can't hit third in the lineup. He's but he a- can keep you competitive. Can he? We sure about that? Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not picking on you, Murray. No, I know, but to be like a middler, I think he's probably good enough to do that. Yeah, 81 and 81. That sounds fun. Let's do that. Steve's in Rockland. Steve, what do you got? Uh, Maz, thanks for taking my call. Um, I wanted to ask about the first base uh, ridiculous situation. I know we've all for two years watched this pathetic display. Um, three weeks ago, you said there's some wonder boy down in Worcester. or What's the status of this uh, prospect? Uh, okay, Maz, I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, so Steve, his name is Tristan Cassis. He's a left-handed hitter. He's six foot five. He's built like an oak tree. He's gigantic. He's got great power. He's hitting 266 in AAA right now. I know. What does the batting average matter? It doesn't. Not in this day and age. Except I still like guys who can hit for a high average. Do I think Cassis is a big leaguer? Yes. Do I think he could be a middle-of-the-order bat as a pro? As a big leaguer? Yeah. Not now. Probably not now. So, again, if you're going to lose Bogarts and you're going to lose J.D. at the end of the season, J.D. Martinez, who's going to hit third and fourth in this lineup next year? And if you say, well, Devers can hit third, fine. Then that means you got to find a number two hitter. Well, Trevor Story, okay, 240. And then what? Cassis? Well, that's not really fair to the kid, is it? You want to develop the player or not? Raphael Devers, when he came to the big leagues, batted ninth. And I would say that the sign of a good organization is when you can bring guys up from the minors and just slowly integrate them without putting too much pressure on them at the beginning. Dustin Pedroia, Jacoby Ellsbury, Euclid. When those guys came up, they hit at the bottom of the lineup till they figured it out. Now you're going to bring up Cassis and hit him in the middle of the batting order in the heart of the order? That doesn't feel right. So, look, I'm just telling you, they might be farther away from contending than you think they are. And if that's the case, do you really want to trade Bogarts? And do you really want to trade, uh, you know, I'd say J.D. Martinez. To me, he's gone either way. But you get the idea. If you let these premium talents in the middle of your lineup go and you are averse to signing free agents, how the hell do you plan to fill the lineup and be championship caliber? Mike's in Hoboken. Go, Mike. Hey, what's going on, Tony? So I, I can tell you exactly where this is going because for those of you not in the New York area, this is exactly what happened with the Mets and the Wilpon era where their money was tied up in a very different situation with Bernie Madoff, but it wasn't directed towards the team. So it was a big market, high-revenue team that just wasn't putting their resources towards the players on the field. So they want to get this illusion of a competitor, like Shaughnessy says, but they are going to refuse to actually make the moves they need to make because they're not willing to spend the money. This is exactly what they are now. Okay, so Mike, this is, again, this is what I worry about. Where is this all going? And if you want to tell me that you can win championships and you can build a minor league system and pump out players, I'm all for that. I'm all for it. At the end of the day, I don't really give a rat's ass what it costs. I don't. I couldn't give two flying fish what it costs. So what I want is wins. 
and championships and and a, a championship caliber team. That's what I want. That's worth investing in and worth buying into. And that can take time to build. How long? And what what evidence is there that that all these pieces are starting to come in and that the Red Sox actually have them? So again, Tristan Cassis, okay, I'll t- I'll, buy, I'll take the cheese on that. Marcelo Mayer, I'll take the cheese on him. How about the pitchers? Brian Bale? Maybe. His first two here weren't good. He's got a ways to go yet. Winkowski? Seabold? Cutter Crawford? I like Crawford a little bit, but he's not a front-end guy that can carry a staff. Where are you going to get those guys? How long is it going to take? You're going to have to spend some money at some point, I think. Or, guess what? You're going to be the Rays or the Oakland A's or the Twins who have their little runs where they get pretty good and they make the playoffs and make some noise, then they lose to a big market team that has more resources and they go back and start all over again. Tampa won 102 games last year. They're they're scraping for the playoffs just like you are, which in a lot of ways is probably bad news because, again, the Rays are spending a lot less than you as well. So maybe that's the point, right? That's the way ownership looks at it. Why should I pay what I'm paying, $240 million, when I can pay a third of that or a half of it, whatever the raised payroll is, and be in the same spot? Makes sense financially. Except that, to me, to get to that top level, you're going to have to dig in at some point and start paying the piper. I just don't know if the Red Sox have designs on that anymore. And I'm worried that their methods when it comes to drafting and things like that are not necessarily going to bring in the, the, the players with the most talent. Back to your calls when we come back in the baseball hour. Stay tuned for more of the baseball hour with Tony Maz. Hey, it's Maz for Window Nation. And if you haven't noticed over the last couple of years, property values have been skyrocketing. They might be leveling off a little bit, even coming down a little now. Still very high, though. And if you're looking for ways to improve the value of your home, don't miss the window. New windows can improve the energy efficiency of your home, but they also heighten curb appeal and increase your resale value. No downsides. So stop thinking about replacing your old drafty windows and actually do it, whether you're thinking for the short term or for the long. Window Nation has installed over 1 million windows in over 150,000 homes, and they have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. They use top-of-the-line windows with top-of-the-line materials, and they use local installers that know the architecture here in the old homes and the whole nine yards. You know the deal. Right now, you can get two free windows for every two you buy, which is basically 50% off. You pay nothing for two years. That means no money down, no payments, and no interest again for two full years. Call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and be sure to tell them Madison. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. Now more baseball and more Mads. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Mads on 98.5 The Sports Hub.
As far as the Red Sox, and again, the injury to Sale, that, that's just obviously a devastating situation. They are three games over 500. They're two games out of the wild card. How would you describe where they're sitting right now at the break? They have a desperate need to trade for pitching. To me, they're the team most under pressure to make a deal now before the deadline. Because even before Chris Sale walked off the field with that crooked finger, they had a need for pitching. 20th out of 30 teams in baseball in the ERA. Uh, they have the most runs allowed for any team that's over 500. And they need help immediately to go out and bolster the rotation and the bullpen which has been a problem as well. And they're in an interesting spot, Greeny, because people are wondering if they don't make up ground in the next couple weeks, whether they may flip and become sellers with guys like Xander Bogarts. Buster Olney, ESPN. I'd be surprised if the Red Sox trade Bogarts at this deadline. I'd be surprised if they sell anybody. But I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule it out. I think they're committed to this rebuild. And I think that on some level, they almost hope the team completely tanks so they can justify trading off some overpriced parts and bringing in some young guys and absolutely injecting the whole thing again with, with life. Youth is what I should say. That's what I think. I think part of them is happy that the team's tanking. Part. I didn't say that all. Obviously, they want to win. Obviously, they want to stay, hang in there and sell tickets. And I think if they sold off parts on a team that was within two games of a playoff spot, there'd be hell to play and it would be a horrible message and they damage their business. That's what I think. But deep down, I think they know they don't have a championship team. And if they could get something for the pieces now and rip it apart and accelerate the rebuild, I think they'd do it. And they might not be wrong. They might not be wrong from the standpoint of how to rebuild the baseball operation. Oh, but they would be wrong in terms of how people might react to that. That would be a big mistake. John's in New Hampshire. John, quickly go. Yeah, uh, real quick, Tony. I really called about sale, but the team you're going to see in a couple of weeks is analogous to what you guys are going to go through, which is the Cleveland, I'm going to call them the Indians. They're always just around the cusp. They, you know, Jose, they, Jose Ramirez signed on. In other words, it's a team that gives them just enough money to keep them around, and that's why the people don't revolt. But my question to you was Sale yesterday. I watched that video of him getting hit. That was the most bizarre reaction to it for, for an athlete on an injury I've ever seen in my life. I watched it several times on YouTube. I understand the guy went down. He got hit by a ball that went 106 miles at his finger. So you'd go down. You'd probably pound the ground, drop F-bombs. He got up, and as he walked towards the dugout, Tony, I knew you saw it. He's lifted his finger, his hand, to show everybody his dislocated finger. Like, you know what? I want video evidence. You're not going to see me again. Because we all know a hemorrhoid would keep this guy out for six months. Yeah, it's John, I don't think that's it. Like, well, we're going to say what? That the elbow injury was fictitious? He had Tommy John surgery, for crying out loud. So, like, I'm not telling you the injuries are fake. The injuries are real. And he held it up to show Cora, I'm done. I got to come out of the game. He knew. That's all that was. Don't read into it too much. Now, look, is he the tough guy that he purports to be? I don't know. Probably not. And I told you, my bigger concern is that when he was out there, he didn't pitch very well. So it was a short outing. But your issue should be, what are you really losing if he's not that good? I mean, what is there to get angry about? Honestly, I look at it and say, well, you weren't pitching well against the Yankees. It's not that big a loss. I mean, that's sort of how I feel about it. He's facing, he hasn't beaten the Yankees in four years. 
He's got an ERA over 10 against him in his last five starts. He's lost them all. And as he said, he's not broken anymore, at least with regard to the elbow. Now he is again. Unbelievable. Anyway, we'll continue the discussion tomorrow. It's obviously the all-star break. Christian Arcand is here. Is it you and Jones, Christian? No. 